Yes, it is. Yeah, so we're back with another Jazz Matters podcast. And today we have uh, a new musician, basically, uh, that has migrated from Los Angeles, California, Miss uh, <laughs> Luan Lowe, as well as we have our co-host, Mr. Vaughn Coulter with Jazz Beach Radio. I am Edwin Williams with uh, Jazz Matters. And before we get started, uh, I'd like for you to go to our website or our webpage, which is yesjazzmatters.org. That's yesjazzmatters.org. And we have uh, an upcoming event, which Juan will definitely be on. It's our seventh uh, concert at the venue, The Wren's Nest, at the seventh annual concert for Jazz Matters. And uh, we expect uh, a great crowd. We expect to have a lot of fun, and like we always do. And just go to uh, the website, and uh, you'll see other things. Also, you'll see the Jazz Matters store where you can buy great T-shirts, um, bugs, uh, whatever we got. I'm trying to think of some other things to put up there, some washers and dryers or something you know you can buy off of there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, start the uh, interview here. So, ladies and gentlemen, this Luan Lowe and Luan. My first question is for you to kind of let the people know who you are, where you're from, and how did you make your way down here to Atlanta? How did I make my way to Atlanta? Well, let's say let's say that again. Uh, what inspired you to come to Atlanta? Okay, so I'm from LA, from Los Angeles, and I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go back that far, but go back. All right, so I. I played jazz in high school and I played by ear. And then I had a, we came across a tune. I was in jazz band and we came across a tune that I, that I hadn't heard yet. So I was waiting for the tune to happen so I could hear it, so I could play it. And my teacher said, you don't read music, do you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he sent me to a jazz teacher and the jazz, and I was 12 at the time I was going to, I was going to junior high school at this time. So he sent me to a jazz teacher who sent me to a classical teacher. And, the, and then I had two lessons a week, jazz and classical throughout high school. So then I went to college and I was told that you can't play jazz and classical at the same time, which is a complete lie. But my classical teacher refused to let me play in the jazz bands there. So I had to take a break. And then I moved to Los Angeles after I graduated. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I heard the the great pianist John Mayer, not the guitar player, but the jazz pianist right. who um, played with Coltrane back in the 60s. Um, I heard him play and I went, oh, I miss jazz. So I called him, started some lessons with him. He immediately sent me to Lamert Park in Los Angeles, which is where the jazz was happening at places like Sunny Spot. <laughs> there were all of these clubs where you could go and just listen and then there was a place where you could jam. And I became part of the house band there way before I was ready to do that. <laughs> and my people were so patient with me. And, um, you know, I played with all kinds of people and I got lots of notes and lots of suggestions. And at first people would like shake their head and say no when I played, like especially Bobby Bryant Jr. <laughs> would be like, no, when I played a solo. And then eventually one day he stood up and shouted, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people started calling me to tour. Oh, cool. So then I started touring and mm -hmm. I really, I started with Roy Gaines. That was my first big person that I played with. I played with Roy Gaines at the Monterey Blues Festival. Cool. And I thought he was punking me when he called me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this is Roy Gaines. And I was like, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> you know but it was and then that led to led to led to me playing with lots of different people so my love for jazz obviously has been all the way through my life my mom played jazz when I was growing up so um, that became my focus and then three years ago my husband and I decided to simplify our lives supposedly <laughs> um, because Los Angeles was just a little bit too busy too trafficy for us um, and so we came to visit Atlanta because a friend of ours suggested that they have 
the things that I love here, mainly jazz and other stuff. And so we visited and we went, oh yeah, this is where we really are called to be just in terms of how it felt here. And, and so we moved here. That's Not too long. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now you moved when you moved here. Uh, I got some information about you from uh, another mutual friend of ours, Mr. Don Moores. Yes, Don. See, because I uh, <laughs> at first I thought that um, at first I thought you and Don played together from, oh. from his from his first phone call. You know, but then I found out that he actually um, a friend of his referred you to try to contact. Charlie Owens. Now let's talk about Charlie. Oh, man. <laughs> Charlie is just, he's like an uncle to me. He was at my wedding. Um, he and I started playing together when he called me for, I was doing the Ray Charles Live project. I was music directing that in Los Angeles and he was in the band and we missed each other by a few days and he heard that I could play. So he called me for this um tour that was to schools uh teaching kids about jazz and he called me and over the phone said can you play me something <laughs> and I played him something over the phone and he said you got the job and that was about 15 years ago and then from me playing that he and I played together with James Leary and with just all kinds of other great musicians Kenny Elliott who later became part of my trio um we just he's just the best human being on the planet. And so when I moved here, you know, I didn't, you know, moved here right before COVID. So nothing was happening. And I was thinking, oh, you know, it's going to take me a while to get to know musicians. Charlie called Don and told Don about me. And so my friend Luan just moved there. Don called me for a gig and that was it. Don called me for a gig. We did the gig, you and me, Edwin. Uh oh. <laughs> Edwin was on that gig playing beautifully and so I met Edwin and I learned about Jazz Matters and I was I just feel so blessed and lucky that I met you and learned about Jazz Matters right away because it could have taken years for me to get to know the musicians here and because I had that first job then everybody started calling me and as you know you and I started playing together a lot you know and then a lot of other people started calling me so that was really great. Yeah, that's great, man. Because um, what we, um, of course, Jazz Matters always will, will always try to give you a platform, and uh, as, as long as you're here, you know, we'll always look out for you, that kind of thing. And because uh, that's pretty much what we do for most of the resident talent here. And Vaughn, uh, I know you want to chime in because I might end up uh, going back and and reminiscing on some of those jazz clubs she was talking about. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, world stage anyone right right world stage that was where everybody and you know just those um just those chances to go to the jams there and get to know musicians i met kamasi washington there and kamasi mm -hmm. and i basically came up in the ranks together in jazz and he played in my band i played in his band wow. and you know, we would go to jams together and he would call kamasi's great he would call me in the middle of the night and be like one there's a great jam you're missing. You got to come down and be like two o'clock in the morning. And I'd be like, come on, see, it's two o'clock in the morning. Like he was all, all jazz all the time, you know? So um, we played, we did uh, LACMA. He's he's done LACMA. I, did, I played with Nedger uh, Wheeler because of him. And I did oh LACMA. My gosh. Yeah, the LACMA Jazz Festival. Stop. I did Mocha. Time out. Time out. Yeah. You played with Nedra Wheeler? All the time. Oh <laughs> my God. Nedra Wheeler went to high school with me. What? <laughs> I thought this was going to be a reunion. I told you. <laughs> can play the bass. I played with her. Nedra, so let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened between me and Nedra now. Uh oh. Uh oh. I was just starting out playing the bass at the time. Okay. I was about to join this, the orchestra. And I was kind of new to the instrument. And at the time, one of the bass uh, solos that I love to listen to, the opening sequence of the Barney Miller theme back in the day, you know, this cold opening, and it was just like the truth. And so I was practicing on it, and Ned Nedra walked up to me and she said, oh, I know that. That's the Barney Miller. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fixing to, you know, learn this thing. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> 
boop, boop, boop. And at that point, I dropped, I dropped the bass down on the floor and I left. <laughs> yeah, Nadra can play the bass. Like I got to play with her, with Karen Briggs in an all-female. Oh, yeah, track. yeah. But then I yeah. also got to play with her with Charlie because Charlie would call her a lot to play. I got to play with her and my, she played in my band. I played in her band. She had this motley oh crew of bands, you know, and yeah, Nedra, oh my gosh, what a, she lays down a pocket. Nedra is the queen of pocket. And that you, is know, you can't go cool. wrong. If we, I mean, if we can get her to visit here. Oh, I love, oh, I can call her. I'm sure she would. Oh, that might happen. She would love it. She would love it. And Edwin? Yeah. Y'all could cut up a, y'all could really cut it up here between the two of you. Oh, yeah. I guarantee she, she would love it here. She would love it. She would love the blues-oriented jazz that a lot of people play here. And she can play anything. You know, she's anything. one of those people, she can play anything. She she used to love to play things in mixed meters, like, oh, and all of her tunes would be like in seven, eight, five, four. And, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, what next, Nedra? <laughs> That's that typical bass player thing. You know, they always want to choke the drummer. Uh, you know, yeah, when, yeah. Well, my, like, favorites, my favorite Nedra story is we were playing the uh, Mocha Jazz Festival. And they had erected this like awning for us that was made out of plastic in case it rained. And so, you know, she had this really hard contract. And so we started playing and of course it started raining and the rain started coming in from the side. <laughs> and I saw Nedra go over to the, the person who was in charge and her fingers started wagging and I knew she was telling him something. <laughs> And after we played that first tune, that was it. We were, we still got paid the same and we were out, we were done. We played one tune and, and done. Oh, she, okay. she takes well, care of her band, you know? Now I want to skip up uh, ahead a little bit and I want you to talk a little bit about um, the, the uh, projects you have coming up. Oh yeah, I am so excited right now. When I was playing in LA, I basically uplifted everybody else's music. I was in everybody else's bands all the time and I was, you know, working on their music for them. But I was writing and I would play with my trio occasionally, but I was so busy as a side musician, I didn't get a chance to do much of my own music. And so I finally, finally have the time to um, get my original music out there. So I'm so excited on this Jazz Matters gig. It's the first time in Atlanta I'm playing my originals. Um, on the 19th at the Wren's Nest with the Jazz Matters gig. And um, I'm playing with Edwin on bass and Charles Marvray on drums. And I'm gonna be um, showing Atlanta my original jazz, yes. And these, these tunes, and then I'm also- Love that, that's amazing. I'm also going into the studio with a man named David Fink, who's won seven gold records and many platinums. He's a producer and a bass player. And I'm going to the studio with him doing the, um, some demos of it, and we are discussing a record deal. So for these originals, for this original music, so I'm really excited about that coming up. Right. So the the the, uh, the direction for your original, uh, what what would you classify? I mean, you know, is it contemporary smooth? Is it? It's contemporary jazz for sure. It's contemporary jazz. Um, I also have a classical piano background. So I have a degree in classical piano um, and I also have a master's degree in acting. So I'm also an actor and I've done film, stage, TV. But um, as the direction of the music that I write, I um, have a little bit of, there's like a little glimmering of classical in it sometimes, and especially in the ballads. Most of the time it's, it's, it's contemporary jazz, you know? Um, and it's, I, I, I just love music that goes places and uplifts people. And I feel like my music, most people say after they hear it, they're uplifted. And even people who don't like jazz are like, I love your music. <laughs> and I'm like, if that gets them to listen to jazz, then I'm all up in it. <laughs> yeah. I found people that always say that they don't like jazz. They don't even know they're listening. They don't know what it is. They know they're listening to it. They don't know they're listening to it on a daily basis. I mean, it's in everything, you know. Yeah, jazz is everywhere. And you know, it's, yeah. it's. Um, <clears throat> I play from the heart. <clears throat> so it's, for me, it's just heartfelt. Everything I've written literally came to me in my head. I'm not one of those musicians that sits down and goes, this chord goes with that chord. 
<laughs> you know, I just hear a tune in my head and I go, oh, that's a great tune. And then I shape it as it comes out of my head, you know, so that's that's where I'm coming from. All but right. they're all very, I'm really, you might notice I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of, of musicians and to tell you the truth, uh, those are the type of musicians I prefer uh, simply because uh, they don't have the, the, the ego I would say it like that. They don't have the ego of, of guys who are pretty much rooted in linear stuff where it's, okay, it's this, 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 this. And you got to play it exactly like it is on the chart, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I, I often wondered why they would do that with certain musicians. In other words, okay, regardless of whether you read music or not, you know, when a, when I the way I feel is that when you go into a recording session, if you heard a musician that you say, I'd love to have that musician on my record. But you write a tune and you never give him a chance to let the recording hear what you heard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so how is it that you're going to write for that musician when that musician was coming from the heart? You see what right. I'm saying? It doesn't oh, kind of strange. The first time I heard people play my music, it was Kenny Elliott on drums, Kamasi on the soprano and the tenor, and um, who was on, oh, Dominic Thoreau on bass. And that's the that was the first crew I got together to play my originals. And I mean, I wept because I just wow. gave them the room. I gave them the changes and they played it like I heard it in my head. Right. And I just bawled my eyes out. I was so excited to hear, I was just so overwhelmed. And what I like to do is give a musician a lot of room to feel it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I write it down so you know what the melody is and you know where your hits are. It's written down, but that's like a shape for us to play in. Right. And I really hate it when people mm -hmm. try to make you do stuff. Like I left a teacher who told me, you know, I was I was rearranging. I forget what tune it was, but I was rearranging a ballad. I think it was my one and only love. I was rearranging it and I was seeing it very in a very modern way. And he said, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He literally said, it doesn't sound like the tune. And I was like, well, the melody's there, man. What you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, isn't that the point of jazz? Aren't we reinterpreting the tune? Isn't that the point? Like we're making it our own. Right, so, exactly. So yeah. yeah, so I had to leave that teacher because he wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do, what I was hearing. And I was like, dude, I'm hearing all this cool stuff. So I got to do it. Yeah, a lot of people get threatened by that or... They, they look at it as if uh, you coming in rearranging their creations when you really not. You really no. are it because once they put it out there, that doesn't mean everybody like their creation. Right. There, will, there should be an element in there that can relate to people who feel music versus those who interpretate, interpret the, uh, the, uh, the linear part of it. Yeah, like through your voice, like your I, voice I, is there. Your voice stand out. Yeah, but it's easy to, to, to write like that uh, um, if you get a chance, you know, to, to do that kind of stuff. And I always saw that it seemed to come out better because I I remember George Benson uh, going to Quincy Jones when they were doing the do the record, and Jordan had to do some things on that. Uh, of course, George is not a linear person. He doesn't read music per se. You know what I'm saying? But all you do is, I want this. And you tell him what you want. And it's almost like you said. It's like he's in your head. And he puts it out there just like it's in your head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole point is to invite people to a space to create. That's how yeah. I feel about my band. Right. I'm inviting people to a space to create. And then what they bring to it usually really inspires me and then I write more stuff you know and of course I was inspired by my husband <laughs> when I met my husband I wrote a bunch of tunes <laughs> for him so some of those are going to be on the record he's like are my tunes going to be on the record <laughs> <laughs> yes your tunes are going to be on the record he okay. is a, he's a jazz and soul historian and he's he was a uh, he was a deep jazz and soul dj so I wrote a song called Record Man for him because he's a record man. He has over 30,000 jazz and soul records. Oh, okay. Ooh, he's busy. That sounds like somebody I need to meet. You need to meet, you need to check out the collection. What, yeah. what was great for me is one time I was doing a, sh a show in LA where I was music directing, 
I was singing, playing and acting in it. And they wanted some original jazz from the twenties because frankly, they didn't want to pay the rights to the jazz that was written in the twenties. So I asked my husband, yeah. So I asked my husband um, to bring me some inspiration from his collection. And he brought out all this jazz from the twenties for me to listen to. And that helped me write a bunch of tunes for the show. Yeah, Yeah, getting to that twenties jazz, which is totally different, you know. So now Vaughn likes uh, kind of a historian also, and he has a pretty deep collection. <laughs> I see it like that. Then you have to meet my husband. Right, you want to chime yeah, exactly. in on this? <laughs> Go ahead, chime in, Yeah, the, um, it's funny because I, I kind of want to relate that to, I can hear the passion that you have for your music and how I believe it fits into your 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 ability as an actress as well. Mm. I studied. Uh, I've I've been working in in film as an actor, television and and stage for thirty plus years myself. Well, hello, my brother from another mother. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, just in that, I, I I feel I said, oh, this woman's talking the right language because interpretation means everything to an actor. Yeah, you know? and that's the thing. You, you, you hear what the director is asking you to do and you're like, okay, I can get there emotionally and, and be connected, but you have to interpret it through your, your beliefs, right? your emotional level, you know, and that's how it becomes a three-dimensional character. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's all about, to me, it's all about the human condition mm-hmm. and the same thing exists in the world of jazz as a musician. It's a human condition as he perceives it to be, Mm. you know, that's where all of this honesty and authenticity comes from, you know, and so it even comes out, I don't care if if the solos are already written, that musician makes that solo his own. Right. So um, so that right there says a lot about how that relationship connection to jazz or any music that I believe was resurrected through slavery transport straight through to what we currently do today. Oh, yes. That's where it started. That's where Where it started. And so the history and the culture is so rich and so full of all of these things. Uh, Today's industry doesn't even know that, doesn't, you know, they don't pick up on it. They don't know that vibe. They don't know what that is all about, you know? And so when when you know when when i talk about the history of it that is the integral part that makes it it makes it part of us right this culture you know the african-american culture right so and it 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 exists nowhere else on the planet you know right so you know that's the thing to me that you know I, i i figure that as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do that element is always going to show you know and so uh I just want to say that, I mean, you know, I just wanted to bring that out. But as far as that record collection, I mean, I go back to, you know, I, I got my own radio show here in Atlanta. I'm on what? internet radio and I'm we having have a to ball. Get together. We have to get together. We have to get have together. To my you know, Evan and I talk about, you know, I, I told him about when I found out about Dorothy Ashby. She was like the <laughs> premier pr- prominent harpist in the 60s. Wow. I mean, this was all of the 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 in the 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 jazz industry got inundated with harpists, and at the time, the only one I thought was like the most notable one was Alice Coltrane. Yeah, but when I, I about Dorothy Ashby, I was like, "What? <laughs> you know?" And she was absolutely breathtaking, and oh. I, I listen to music all the time. Oh. You know, or fifty years later, you know. And uh, so um, with her and so many other musicians that have been, you know, pushed aside and nobody has any recognition of what happened to them. Yeah. That's what I'm into, you know. That's they, what my they, husband's into, yeah. You know, so these things to me is, uh, you know, that's, that's the important thing about what I do as a, uh, I don't call myself a disc jockey. I call myself an air personality because I think that what my knowledge can bring to the table is very important. You know, get the listener, yeah, and get the listener to be, you know, connected with what that is, 
and the time period that it came out in. So um, this is just a start for me. Although I've been, I went to LA City College, you oh. know, and, and I was a broadcasting major there. And so, um, and and I, I, at the time, I didn't know what it was I was finding myself into, but yet still, I found this when I moved to Atlanta. Wow. And that, that, was, so that was pure, that was pure ultimate culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is culture shock. <laughs> One of my friends said it's very buggy there, and they were not kidding. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Luan, how, um, how have you taken in so far? Jazz scene here. Well, the jazz scene here needs to be revived. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to take that on single-handedly, but I am pretty passionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that might have been my issue. I tried to take it on single-handedly. I'm, yeah. still, I'm still trying to take it on single-handedly. Yes, you know? Edwin. I know. I know. But yeah. it, what I will say is, it's um, there are a lot of musicians, and we need more clubs for the musicians and more venues for the musicians to play in. There are so many wonderful jazz musicians I'm meeting here that are just from everyone from young musicians that are like playing the jams. I heard a drummer, a young drummer the other day that I was like, okay, next time I have something, I'm gonna call him like 19 years old. And he's really absorbing the music and listening to all of his elders and really just an amazing player. Um, all the way from that to seasoned players who are out of work half the time because there's just not enough venues. And so um, what I would say is the scene is vibrant. Everybody's playing, but there's not enough places for them to play. You know, there's so much love of jazz here. There's so much love of the music and so much, you know, so many musicians who do other things because they can't play jazz. You know, so it's about making the public aware that, hey, this is this can be a jazz town too. This can. You know, this can go back to the days when it was more of a jazz town, but also that doesn't mean there's not room for everything else, the R&B and the rap and everything that's happening. But we can we, we need to say hello to how many people are great jazz musicians here. I have not had a bad experience playing with someone here. And that is like, you know, truly amazing in terms of of musicianship and fellowship and um, willingness to to allow me to do my thing, you know, for the most part, everyone here mm -hmm. is very supportive and very um, excited to play it. It's just, they need a place to play. Yeah, like, like um, me and Vaughn talk about that a lot also. And when you were talking about going back to the days when it was more vibrant for jazz, it was a place to go pretty much in every area of town. Uh, it's and it's amazing. You can hear it all night long. You know that's that was, I played jazz and been used up to four o'clock in the morning. Wow. So the whole deal is is like, but it was the culture was being supported. You see, right? And right now, uh, it seems like waste is pretty much split, pretty unevenly, really. Um, whereas they seem to take take the acoustic jazz from straight ahead jazz. And they lump it into a category almost as if you were talking about, uh, let's say, Negro um, spiritual versus today's gospel. Wow, that's a that's a big divide, you know. Yeah, that is a big divide. And, and, and see, the whole point is in the in the spirituals, the Negro spirituals that were being played, there was every essence of profession in music. Choirs uh, sang actual comedy parts, you know, whereas in today, you get more unison in choir. You don't hear that much comedy. Very, very clear, you know what I'm saying? But it has taken over and dominated. You know, you only have those other types of uh, harmony singing choirs in certain colleges. And like Morehouse, for instance, they have a, a choir. I, I assume most HBCUs have a choir. Similar. Right, they do. But when, but when you're going to uh, look at it in comparison with the jazz situation, the jazz situation, the acoustic situation, you know, the straight ahead situation, real theater, has been sidelined for right 
you know, the contemporary R&B type jam. You know, they call it smooth jam. There's nothing wrong with that because in, in a lot of smooth jazz, there are jazz players that know as well the straight-ahead situation. You know, right. I mean, in, order to create, in order to create that contemporary jazz or that smooth jazz, it came from the guys that were playing straight-ahead. Yeah, but why is it that when you have an event and you're playing and you want, let's say, uh, an actual jazz, acoustic jazz artist, why is it that your your, uh, audience tends to think, okay, well, uh, okay, we're going to see this audience, but see that it's so small, you know what I'm saying? Your audience, in comparison, you see, they don't... Not like back in the day when they could fill the entire arena, you know what I'm saying? With people who knew about jazz, nowadays, these uh, what is a lot of times feel like they don't understand it enough to go and support it, and that's pretty bad because that's culture that you don't understand. I, that's, heritage. Uh, that's heritage you don't understand, but yet you say you like <laughs> you like jazz, yeah, you know? interesting to me, yeah, but, but that's why we're here to teach. And we're, we're not here to, you know I'm saying, try to force it on anyone, but all in all, you will have to eventually understand that the jazz uh, from the, uh, I call them the forefather of jazz, which is you know, from Louis Armstrong on, on up to the present day, um, they had a formula. They had a cultural heritage for it and respect mm. for the music. Whereas now, uh, and younger jazz artists, a lot of them are learning. So a lot of them are really taking it on, and they they are doing a pretty good job at it. You know, problem is, like I said earlier, there are no venues that can support. Right, and we That's want, and we and we need young people coming up to support the to be to have that support to go play. Otherwise, the music dies out. You know, yeah. um, you know, like I one of my pet people will come out of schools that where they learn jazz and then they actually listened to people play it. They've never actually seen it live, but they've come, they've gone to school and learned like in the book and they, oh, right. you know, and I call it that scholastic jazz, you know, where I just want to chew my arm off because they, they're, they're missing like the soul of it. You know, they're missing the whole aural tradition, the ear tradition of listening. Oh, and, 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 yeah, when I see them come out of school, I'm, I always send them to the jams because that is where they're going to encounter some older jazz musicians who are going to school them, and you—that's really where you know that that training comes up. And then, and then if they're really like this drummer I met, whose name I can't remember, but he'll kill me. But oh well, um, you know, if they're really respectful of the music and go and listen and really start to feel the music. You know, then you you're, you're bringing up a whole new generation of jazz musicians, and they need a place to play. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They, they, also, they also need schools to put it back in the school yeah. systems because it was taken out uh, so many years ago. To we lost about almost like thirty. It started around thirty years ago uh, when we lost generation after generation after generation. Of, Kids, oh, they, in school, you know. Oh, there needs to be the music yeah. needs to be in school. I mean, that's where I started in well, junior right. high school in a jazz yeah. band, and that's why you're not locked up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a story for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're not locked up right now because you had a different direction to go. Like, oh, I can, I can, oh, I can work with this, you know. But <laughs> nowadays, so nowadays, most of the kids are not like that, you know. Well, well, I was part of the LA um, Jazz Society and they did something similar to what you guys do here. They supported jazz. And um, so they they had a lot of different opportunities for young people from that were learning jazz from schools to go and play. And they um, offered like training and they offered um, venues for them to play and they offered awards ceremonies and competitions and like all kinds of stuff. So they kind of like what Jazz Matters does. Yeah. Um, what I meant about school, yeah, obviously, obviously we need to have it in school. I was just talking about if someone just trains in school but then doesn't take it further and doesn't go out into the music of it, if they're going to be a musician, right. they can go exactly. listen. 
They yeah. need to go listen. Well, see, the thing is, like, depending on where the school is, like, like for instance, say if you're in a, a smaller town, but it has a, a jazz program, right? There's nowhere for that student to go. That, see, that's the problem. You know we need, we need to create the places for the students to go. That's exactly right. right. Like the LA Jazz Society, you know, is doing in Los Angeles, and bless them, you know, they gave me a lot of work, you know, and one of my favorite things ever, you know, I've done a lot of touring, a lot of playing with different people, but one of my favorite things ever was doing that thing with Charlie and the jazz ambassadors, we called ourselves, at eight o'clock in the morning, introducing kids to jazz and saying, everybody repeat after me, Miles Davis, and seeing little kids go, Miles Davis. Wow. <laughs> You know, and they would write to us and they would draw us. You know, I had so many little girls come up to me and say, I didn't know girls could play jazz. Yeah. They would draw me and be so excited and that some people even were inspired, you know, because I started doing it 15 years ago. Some of them are now jazz musicians. Yeah. You know, I had a former student call me and he was on the Playboy Jazz Festival. He oh, called yeah. up and said, hey, it was all because you started, you know, 15 years ago, you guys came to my school. And I didn't know what jazz was, and I got to hear jazz, and then I became a jazz musician, you know? Right. And that's, that's right. They, <laughs> in a, in right here, uh, they had an organization called the Southern Arts Federation, which did exactly that. They went to all of the schools and even you know, some schools that were not quite middle schools, but I, I don't know what the term is. I don't think it was, I guess it was elementary, but middle schools, elementary schools, and high schools, and exposing. And that's the key word, exposing the young people to the music. Yeah. Once they're exposed to it, it's like anything else. They're they got to either gravitate to it or be curious about it or they're not. But the thing is, they need the exposure. You know, you have to have put, your, put them in the environment where it's actually being done and then give them a historical, you know, historical um, overview of what they're really listening at or why, you know, it is so important to them. You know, yes, I did that. Miss, you know, uh, that's, that's one of the things I miss about the, what they were doing here. We want them to do that here because I was part of that for 15 years. And the only reason I stopped was COVID and we had moved here. And, and Charlie called me the other day and said, hey, your gig's still waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna, ever want to come back? Your gig is still here. You back from, from LA to Atlanta, yeah, be a little bit tiring to do that gig now, but but yeah, but you know that was every day. You know, for the whole month of Black History Month, we would we would talk about jazz, and so many kids had never been exposed and didn't know that they liked it. They would be dancing to it. It was just amazing. It was just a healing for all of us to do that. And then, of course, we'd be doing other jobs after that. We would all go our separate ways and do other jobs after that. But yeah, that's the thing. We inspiring the young people, but also giving them a place to play and themselves. Right. Right. Now, uh, who were some of the uh, jazz musicians that you, you still listen to uh, or inspiration, so to say? This is a tough I don't do a lot of jazz because I play so much. My husband, my husband's like, do you want to listen to this? And I'm, I'm like, I'm playing it. I, I, but I'll tell you what, I, you know what I mean? Like I play so much of it. Like I don't have time to like sit down. And when I'm off, exactly, I'm more likely to do things that are related to acting when I'm off because it's like, that gives me my downtime. But I'll tell you who inspired mm -hmm. me to play in the first place. First, John Mayer, listening to him live. Um, although I'm not the kind of musician he is, he's more of a bebop player. You know, I'm not that, but uh, mm -hmm. of his playing. But McCoy Tyner, my people, and I have been told many times reviewers have said I, I sound like I'm influenced by him. I found him after I started playing jazz because he's got that huge left hand and I tend to attack the piano. Uh -huh. And most most men say that I sound like a man instead of like a woman. And it's like, I don't know if that's a compliment because I attack the piano now i play classical too so i can switch into playing more gently but when i play jazz i really attack and so because i just feel it so much that i can't play calmly you know so mccoy tyner's my man because he's got that big like i have the big left left hand i attack it um <laughs> mccoy tyner for sure i used to love listening to oscar peterson just for the finesse 
and for that combination of ways he can, he plays orchestrally at the piano. You know, he plays like orchestra. Um, so he was very inspiring to right. me. Um, and honestly, Miles Davis as a trumpet player, that music sort of, when he started like um, doing funk and soul and doing electronics, um, just all of his different periods of music I found really inspiring in terms of the groove. Like that's my big thing. If someone's in the pocket, I will listen all day if they're in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, that uh, uh, that's that's an incredible array. When you said McCoy Tyner, I I'm a religious. I, I have like a, a altar of mu music set up. Yes. McCoy Tyner, and I always felt like when he was playing with Train, there was like this limited thing because Train had it. Right. a certain way right and mccoy was all there that you know give him exactly what i gotta do this at that time that's a, yeah but when he went off and you know and and <laughs> he literally went off <laughs> mccoy and stuff like, one of his favorite albums my favorite album by him is the one called understanding and it's breathtaking to to hear him get out and like really do what McCoy can do oh, and yeah. uh you know um when you and, and pianists to me are just like amazing you know uh I I one of one of I think one of the greatest of all time but to me in watching what Herbie Hancock has done over his entire career oh yes big fan big big and, fan and uh the same with um um I I I use, I've kind of fell in, people who was like wondering why I listened to a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Pat Metheny and it wasn't because of Pat, it was because of the orchestration of what, and an arrangement that Lyle Mays would give him. Yeah. You know, Mays to me, Lyle Mays was amazing to me. Um, and so, you know, I like those, 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 those songs that take me places. And you mentioned that, the, the travel, that they take you on. Mm. I mean, it's almost like you're riding in a bus or a large motorhome, and you're just seeing the country. Mm -hmm. You know, you're seeing. You know, it's like it's just, and they take you back home. You know, there's a story in every one of those compositions that those men have put together, and Absolutely. so. Um, and I and Patrice Russian is also one of my favorites. I was gonna say, and, Patrice, you know, she, and I used to and see. She went to, lock, she went to high school. <laughs> oh. yeah. She went to Locke and 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 uh, I don't know. She might have been a couple of grades behind Indugu Chancellor. And, oh, uh, at the same you're talking about my people now. <laughs> and you know, uh, uh, Gerald Albright went to Locke High School too. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That's so totally amazing. I, you know, that's when I, I my my days in the marching band and orchestra and band in high school and stuff like that and all of these we 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 would be, we fell in love with Locke High School we oh, really did oh wow out of there out of there but um, you know I was going to ask you uh, when you were when you were in Denver what year did you move did your family move to California when did when did when did that I moved to California in ninety one. And went okay. to and went to graduate school at the American Conservatory Theater and got my master's in acting in ninety three, ninety three, mm -hmm. ninety four. Okay. Yeah, and so so I um, wasn't playing music for the first few years in uh, California. I was getting my degree in acting, and I was doing a lot mm -hmm. of Shakespeare, traveling around doing Shakespeare. And then I booked a show called Strong Medicine, and I moved to Los Angeles for it. Then I got written out. <laughs> <laughs> and very soon and so and then I you know it continued me doing um, a lot of acting and then like I said I did acting for several years and I heard John Mayer play and I was like oh I gotta play and then so I've been balancing like you yeah. have I'm sure. I'm sure you've been balancing you know I mm -hmm. act sometimes and I play sometimes yes you know I did a I had a film mm -hmm. with Gary Oldman that came out Gary Oldman and Juliet Landau that came out this past fall and so you know I'm still balancing wow that yeah you know um my favorite thing was this is so crazy my favorite thing was getting to do a commercial and i know that sounds crazy but the reason i was excited was i got to play jazz and act at the same time and i was like that is my two gifts coming together 
It was so much fun, but oh, yeah. yeah, I feel <laughs> no. I loved for um, Billy Childs in L.A. I his playing. So mm -hmm. issues for a gig was like, what? <laughs> I really admire his playing and I admire his arrangements. And so I got to be firsthand in his chair, like, oh, I'm playing his arrangements, you know? That's wow. another piano player wow. that I really admire. I really admire his. Now, there's a name I hadn't heard in a long, long time, Billy Childs. I forgot. Billy that. Childs. Billy Childs. Wow. I, I'm you taking me back home, dear. I, I gotta say this. I mean, I'm loving it every minute of this conversation. Oh, you're taking me back home. It's we're gonna have to have dinner. We're gonna have to have you over. Gonna that would be that that would be amazing. You know, yeah, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to see the records, and you and my husband will probably disappear for like three hours. <laughs> three hours, like I do everybody that I know. I've ran into people that's got like I know a guy that's got over fifteen hundred CDs. <laughs> I was over there visiting with a friend of mine I was, you know, staying with, and I ended up being with him all the rest of the evening because, you know, it's about the music. It's about Literally. the music. It's about the music. For sure. And, and I will say, people like you who have that huge historian piece of it, where you know so much of the albums, that helps when I am trying to work on something. You know, there's stuff I haven't heard that I need to hear, you know, for different genres that I'm going into that right. you know inspires me so i will go to my historian and say hey do you have anything from this period do you have anything from this you know um i forget what recently something was going on oh yeah for my record deal for my uh for my uh demos for the record deal we're talking mm -hmm. about reimagined right and my and i was like i really want to try something brazilian because i sing too and um, I, I was like i really want to try brazilian my husband came up with 113 Brazilian songs for me to listen to. And I was like, I don't have that much time, but I love you. <laughs> he got so deep into his research. He was like, this person, that person, this person, your voice reminds me of this person. And, and <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a real good oh, thing. It, look, uh, Brazilian music is amazing. Oh, we froze. Oh, there you I, 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 I hold my right hand up to that. Yep. I mean, Joe Beam, right? you know, uh, Joao right. Gilberto, you know, um, uh, uh, I'm thinking of, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Ivan Lenz, you know, these incredible musicians. And I just say, every time I think about it, I, I, I have to say, I think it was at the time, I want to say before Stan Getz, I think it was Duke Pearson went down there and he flew and uh, that inspired him because he saw the uh, Sugarloaf Mountains and he saw the, uh, the Christ statue on top of one of the mountains. And that's how he wrote Cristo Rendentor. Wow. Yeah, that inspired him to write that. And so it's, a, it's, oh my gosh, that is an amazing song. You know, wow. and and Donald does an incredible rendition of it as well. But you know, I have to say, just that collaboration between um, African American music and Brazilian music mm. kind of brought that out of the roots. Yeah. Of what it, you know. and so when Stan Getz finally made it down there, and and Creed Taylor recorded, you know, did the production of the album, you know, with him paired with a. Uh, 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 Joe Bim, the rest is history. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah that stuff is beautiful. You yeah. know, I, I could go down the rabbit hole on just that for a very long time. And I was like, I, I have multiple things. You keep freezing. You heard up. this one, and he has like all these original things, you know, he has like all these original <laughs> things. And so, yeah. But that's, I we we have to get together. We have to. Get oh, started. absolutely! Look, I'm already following. I've just, you know, posted uh, my 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 uh, joining your Facebook page. So, you know, Ron. Hey. Oh, there we are. Zoom yeah. and yeah. Zoom and the technology. I froze for a second. Zoom uh, and the technology, indeed. But I'm yeah. very excited. Very excited to have you join my Facebook page. Yes. Yay. So, um, uh, Juan, um, 
can you tell uh, everybody how to get in touch with you? Uh, no, oh, yes. Facebook, but uh, any other platforms? You can Facebook me. I have a website, luanlo.com. It's really simple. My name.com. It's L O U A H N.com. Website, you can see my of me playing. You can see all my acting stuff I've done. And, it, and there's a contact me page where you can go and get my email address. And you can just email me and say, hey, girl, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Vaughn, tell them where you, you can get, uh, get, get your information out there. Well, most of my activity takes place uh, on my Instagram page. It's just simply at Vaughn Coulter. Uh, um, I also have a Facebook page that is, uh, every time I look at it, it looks like it changes without my knowing. Um, <laughs> you can find me at... <laughs> You can find me at Bon Coulter or Stephen Lavon Coulter. That is my full name. And uh, I'm also um, at jazzbeachradio.com. You can find me on the webpage there and you can find, about, find out about all of the different types of music that I play. Uh, I come from a global perspective because jazz is a global experience. Um, and uh, like I always like to tell Edwin, Jazz ain't nothing but soul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So now everyone, uh, don't forget, on the 19th, August 19th, we're going to have Luan at our Rins, uh, seventh annual Rins Nest concert, jazz concert. So everyone uh, that, that looking at this podcast, we want you to come on out, have fun with us, meet Luan, and definitely uh, have an experience. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait. And uh, also, you can reach me at Edwin Williams. Uh, you can reach me at Edwin Williams Music uh, on Facebook if you want. and uh, Or you can go to yesjazzmatters.org and you can learn a whole lot about me that I have never told you. But anyway, don't take it. You know, to your own All life. right. Yes, <laughs> jazz matters. Yes, yeah. jazz matters. All right. So uh, that's yeah. it for us. And it went by too fast because, you it know. Went by I, way too fast. Yeah, you know. But all in all, uh, we'll definitely be back in touch. And Juan, I'm looking forward to seeing you next Friday. Looking forward to next it. Okay. okay. And right. I'm looking forward to seeing both of y'all Friday, too. So. so great to meet you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Okay. okay, take care, you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.